Ladies and gentlemen, this is William Tincup, and you're listening to the Recruiting Daily Podcast, broadcasting live from Sherm in Vegas at the Accurate Booth. I am joined by Ben from Qualtrics. We're going to talk a little employee experience. And uh, so I know you got some new stuff going on, but tell me about your speaking. So first of all, you spoke yeah. yesterday and today? Yeah, yeah. They did an interesting thing this year where we did two, same session, two days in a row, and we had the primetime spot today at 7.30 a.m., William. <laughs> so Ohio Sherm used to do this bit. We're on, on different days so that people can come and see yours at different times. That's why they That's oh. why they did it. So basically, if you can't go to Ben's session this day, you can go to it this day. The first, first, the first person that I saw that did that was Ohio Sherm. Ohio Sherm. Yep. Yeah, this Innovator. is the first time I've seen it, but it, I can't, it's cool. I get it. It's cool. 7.30 session, though. That's a- hey, but you know what? We were chatting about this earlier. HR professionals are so conscientious. That room was full. And I was surprised. For some of them, it's the third day of their conference. And they're still up at 6 a.m. It's impressive. Some of that's because the sun's up at 5. That's true. That's true. And everybody on the East Coast, and you know, I'm central. Oh, yeah. So my internal clock. Oh, yeah. yeah. Once I got to that age, I can't sleep as long as I want. When my (laughs) internal clock says 7 a.m., I'm up. You got to go. You got to go. Same with me. I kept telling myself, no, I've got another hour. No, no. you guys will just get up. Like, you're fooling yourself. Okay, so do, a, do us an introduction. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, of course. Ben Granger, organizational psychologist. I'm the chief workplace psychologist at Qualtrics. And I dabble in all of the research that we do around employee experience. I'm like a kid in a candy store over here with all the data we collect. And this week, my talk was, I was partnering with my good friend, Jordan Katz. And he's... He's a specialist in employee experience, particularly around recruiting for public sector. Oh, cool. And we, which hard. is a real cool, yeah. yeah, exactly. And I thought that was a really cool take because I work mostly with the public sector right. enterprises. He works more of the of yeah. private sector. He works more right. public sector. So it was really interesting. And we were talking about basically how do you build a, a desirable workplace and then raising a couple of controversial questions. Is a desirable workplace today different than it was 10 years ago? And, and as do, a teaser, and who do you ask? It does depend on who you ask and how you ask. But I believe that the answer is both yes and no. <laughs> and we can unpack that. <laughs> yes. And uh, so tell us a little bit about that. Why do you think it's yes and no? So I think it's yes. I got that part because generations, again, this generation at the point of their, your, I feel about generations and this waves on the beach. Oh. I'm squarely Gen X. When I was in my 20s, I didn't care about certain things. I would probably be more like Gen Z or millennials. But once you load somebody up, or once they load themselves up, I should say it correctly, once they load themselves up with a mortgage, two kids yeah. in private school, a bunch of student loans, etc. Like at one point, you're like, uh-huh, okay. Yeah. Soul crushing comes back to earth. All the <laughs> optimism gets sucked out of you. <laughs> All the hope gets drained from your liver, and and yeah, now you're an adult. <laughs> In fact, someone told me this yesterday. She told she said it from the stage is Jack Welch's wife, and uh, Susie Welch, and oh. she was fantastic. She said this bit. She's teaching a class at NYU Stern, and the class it's about Gen Z. And at one point, she goes, "Okay, so she was talking to the class, and she goes, what's the difference between anxiety and adulting?'" <laughs> oh, I like that. Because I don't want to offend anybody. But what you're describing is a lot like adulting. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. And I'm, when she said it, I'm like, oh, that's brilliant. Yeah. That's just brilliant. That is great. So why, do, why is it a yes and no? It's a yes because the details are different. And I'll give a relatable example. People 
human beings adapt exceptionally well to their environment. And William, I think it's worth noting, as much as I'm an organizational psychologist, right. I would consider myself a humanistic right. psychologist and also an evolutionary right. psychologist. Right. I'm a student of evolutionary psychology. Right. One of the things you learn in evolutionary psychology is that humans as a species are exceptional at adapting to change, but <laughs> we evolve very slowly, very slowly. And so we're not gonna evolve in a meaning, our brains are not gonna evolve in a meaningful way in our lifetime, no. or our grandkids' 100%. lifetime, or our great grandkids. Yeah. It's not microorganisms that's... have already they've already moved on. They've adapted. They move on faster, but they don't have the capacity. Exactly. Yeah. So you look at something like changing to the environment or adapting to the environment. We absolutely will. The details are going to be different, but the type of music we listen to is very different from the music they listened to 2,000 years ago. But they enjoyed music. We enjoy music. Yes. So that's the yes and the no. The details, the workplace flexibility, being able to be able to leave work and go home and pick up my kids and then get back online. That's different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But the need for flexibility, that's the same. Right. The, so I've had this argument with myself for years about Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Yeah. And I've basically been going back and forth. Stress is stress. So the stress that you feel today, whatever that is, that was the, there was an equatable point back when uh, man was dealing with dinosaurs. Okay, so it's not the same thing. Okay, you didn't lose, you lost your iPhone. Okay, that's a stress. Okay, they didn't have iPhones, but they had dinosaurs. Exactly. Trying to eat them. <laughs> so or they had to figure out how to make firework. So they had stresses. It just was different. Like it was labeled that's differently. Right. That's a great way to put it because, and frankly, there's some comedians that, that were doing this bit where they were saying, hey, why is everybody so pissed off right now? Life's great. Life's better than it's ever been, and we're still pissed off. And it's a joke, but it actually, there's some truth to that. That's right. And it bears reminding, like, from an evolutionary time scale, yeah. about opening your, up your view to what, what is reality and right. things like that. But look, reality is the shared, our shared agreement on what reality is today. Those stressors are different. Like, when you talk to a physicist, they'll talk to you about mass in this table. Is it real? Or is it just your perception of this being real? Huh, I don't we want to talk to you anymore. This, right, yes, <laughs> yeah, exactly. We it's agree scary, this, right? We agree that this table is here and holding these things up. Yes. <laughs> and we don't have to get into that on day three of Sherman <laughs> Vegas, you know. <laughs> but it is a fascinating question, and it does relate to exactly what you're saying. In that, yes, we are dealing with stresses. And right. we talk about this period being unprecedented with the pandemic yeah. and the war yeah. and economic. Give me a break. Yeah. This is not unprecedented. New. No. People have been through this sort of stress and environment. Now, it's new novel for us, but I think there's a lot we can learn from human universal truths about humans and what motivates us. That is the that's the no to the question, does this change? In a way, yeah. no. No. Because what we need and what motivates us is the same as it was 2,000 years ago, and it's going to be the same in 2,000 more years. It reminds me of that bit about goldfish and memory where the goldfish comes from one side of the fishbowl and all of a sudden everything is brand new. And then they get to the other side of the fishbowl and they turn around and everything is brand new. <laughs> it's always that brand new. That sounds delightful. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's always brand new. You're always working with something brand new. But then, I, for me, I think I've struggled with this idea of, okay, are we at another inflection point with AI? Yeah. Because if we're in, you with the physicist mass, We've agreed that this table is real and other things that are going on. We've agreed. With AI, like I showed my youngest son 
ChatGPT, and like we were playing around with it like eighth graders. And then I showed them on Instagram models that were all AI and models that would walk, talk, eat, etc. That you couldn't tell them apart from human beings. Wow. Period. Like wow. they looked real. So then it got me thinking like, do we need actors? Do we need actors and actresses? Do we need fashion? Do we need any of the models to do any of those things? No. Like entire industries of things that have been real for a while, we've evolved. Yeah. But is AI going to not necessarily replace that as much as augment our understanding of what is and isn't real? This is where the humanistic psychologist in me comes, and I might take this in a slightly different direction, sure. William. This is where it makes me think, what are we doing this just to do it? Yeah. What are we doing just to do because we can versus what we should be doing? And I think you can make a really compelling argument, even just going to something as basic as social media. And is that healthy? Is the usage of that, is that healthy? Oh. Should we be doing that? Uh-uh. And I think the answer is no. <laughs> no, no. So for example, if we're using AI to increase efficiency in the workplace, which is great, and we did a recent study that yeah. I know you saw, William, where executives are real excited about the efficiency. <laughs> and, which is not surprising. Until they form unions. <laughs> <laughs> but about half of individual contributors, uh, yep. compared to executives, they're more scared oh, of AI, terrified. obviously, right? It should be. But why? Is efficiency the real reason? Is no. that the real goal? No. And I agree with you, William. I think that is a goal. Yeah. But the bigger goal is to help people be happier, healthier, and more productive. If, if done well. You give people their time back so that they can live better lives, if done well. If it's just a cost reduction, like that's the bit. You're not making anybody's life And it's not going to resonate with employees. Executives can come up and say, hey, we're going to go through this change because it's good for the business. What is the business? The (laughs) business is a group of people using shared resources to accomplish a common goal. That's right. That's That's all a business is. It's a group of people. And if we're doing this... We've all agreed that we're going to go in this direction and do this. (laughs) Nothing different from tribal things. Like we, again, hundreds of years ago, we would have done this as a tribe. We would have said, okay, you know what? We're going to go south to Mexico for the winter because snow sucks. And so we'll go down there and you know what? After in the, after we do that, we'll come back here. Done. So it's an agreement. That's something that's fascinating. I need to ask you, before we go, I need yep. to ask you about employee experience. From this perspective, one, what is the single thing that people have to get right today? If you could, I know you got thousands of things, but if you were to just say, okay, okay, this is table stakes. If you're not doing this, just stop. Just. <laughs> Invest in soft skills of leaders. Soft skills, as Adam Grant says this, and I love it. Soft skills are not soft because they're really hard to master. I would take it a step further and say soft skills are the hard skills of people leadership. That, AI is not nowhere close to replacing. And as long as companies are still groups of people, those skills are going to be critical. That's what I would, if I had to pick one thing. That's it. That would be what well, I would the one, the thing that I, and I'm sure you're thinking the same thought, but it's the, where I see middle managers, line managers, they don't get any training. Yes, thank okay. you, so, thank you. So I would extend that as we're talking about leaders, I would extend that all the way down into probably all employees, quite frankly. But let's start with the leaders and then the mid-management. Right. That's how it scales. Yes. That's how it scales. They model it, they show it, they demonstrate right. it, people start using it. And exactly to your point, William, in the organizational surveys that we work with companies on, we support we're seeing this phenomenon of where 
employees are actually saying they really appreciate the support that their managers give them, especially during this time of disruption with the economic downturn and getting out of the pandemic and all this stuff. They appreciate it. But when you look at the manager scores, they say we are grossly right. under-resourced. Oh, 100%. So much is coming on me as a leader, and I'm not getting the support I need. We got to remember that employee experience term, that includes managers too. 100%. That's the employee experience is everyone's an employee. It's CEO. Bingo. Employee, founder, employee, board members, employees. Go through it all. Everyone has their own unique experience. Because we're podcasting at Accurate's booth and I do background screening and background checks, I wanted to get your take on, on one level, candidates are asking for everything to happen faster, right? Mm -hmm. We need the hiring process to happen in two days or whatever it is, some insane thing. But yeah, we still want to do assessments. Yeah, we still want to do skills testing. We still want to do background screening. And some of that is not what you just want to, we have to, okay. So how do you think that your customers balance that, okay, we want it to go fast, yet at the same time, there's certain things that we need to do. Okay, okay, we need to do global screens. We're hiring someone from Vietnam. They look great, they sound great, everything's great, but we don't know if that's actually the person, etc. That's a real thing. Okay, how do we then balance the needs of the candidates with the needs of the employers? A couple of things. One that we talked about before was expectations. Right. And the role of expectations. Expectation setting is really critical. And I think of experience and expectations or how people feel about an experience like a very simple division equation right how people feel about it equals their experience divided by their expectation 100 so to the degree that the company can explain why here's the process and here's why that's relevant yeah and i'll add to that by saying we do a lot of candidate experience listening and we try to understand from the candidate's perspective what's well, going on over there because it's going to impact you. It's coming to your shore. Yeah. Exactly. So are you seeing consistency? What's important to you? And there's a few things. Yes, candidates do want to get through it quickly. But even more than that, they want fairness. Yep. And they want justice. That's right. And part of that is being able to showcase their skills and abilities and knowledge. Right. And how can you do that in two minutes or right. two seconds? That's right. It actually, if you do it too fast, you actually could make Don't a trust. candidate feel like... Yeah. Yeah, hey, this we is give you a fair shot. That's right. This doesn't feel real. It's interesting because a lot of the where the background screening is going in a lot of cases is, and even assessments, or you can see this there as well, skill testing, is like what credit checks do. Is if you do a credit, if someone like you go to get a car and they're like, hey, we got to run a credit check on you, you get a copy of the credit check. So you get a copy of what's actually in there and not in there, but in the, like in all the assessment world, personality tests, screening, et cetera, it's a black hole. Like the candidates expected, that's why I think right. communications and expectations thing is so important. They're expected to do these things, but they don't get anything for it other than the hope of getting a job. Brother, I could talk to you all day, but I know you got like a stuff to do on a list <laughs> and your wife's waiting on you and all that stuff. Goodbye. How about that? Yeah. <laughs> Until next time. <laughs> Vegas, baby. Vegas. Drops Mike. Walks off stage. Thanks, Ben. Thanks, William.